Hello, 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 hello. Ooh, that was my index finger. I'm in a new space. Oh, hi. Good morning. Hello. It's me again. I'm recording in a new space today, so do let me know if there's anything notable in a bad way, or in a good way, I suppose, about the audio quality. So keep that in mind as you're listening. I suppose, Mama, you're sitting in such a precarious place right now. The room that I'm in right now is full is, is filled with Christmas presents that are unwrapped and a bunch of wrapping supplies. So this is also the room in our house that's sort of uh, the storage room that we keep intending to. It's my office, sort of, slash gym. And I mean, gym is like uh, generous. It, it has my Peloton in it and some dumbbell weights. So that's pretty much it. But that's sort of what I use it for on the daily now. But it's supposed to kind of be my office. So now we have a we have a couch in here and I'd like to put a desk in here and I'd like to be able to record podcasts in here because before it was in this other room where we had this other weird setup that I do for voiceover auditions because it's super soundproof. Anyway, don't know why I'm giving you a verbal house tour, but that's where I'm at right now is in this room and and my cat mama is here with me. And as anybody with cats knows, they like to sit in as precarious a position as possible. Oh, speaking of, the other cat would like to enter the room. Please, now is not the time. So I wanted to close out the year here with a yearly review, a little yearly roundup, best ofs and also some reflections. I like, I'm not a huge New Year's resolutions person, though I've got nothing against them. I prefer to reflect back on the lessons that I've learned from the year prior and sort of what stands out to me and how far I've come and try to really be intentional about celebrating growth and acknowledging what happened this year and what it brought forth from me and what I can take from it and learn from. So that's kind of the way that I, I kind of do that instead of New Year's resolutions. And so yeah, I figured I would share those things with you in, in an effort, hopefully, for uh, to encourage maybe your own reflection if you so desire. And I would love to hear um, in the response to this episode, if you're listening on Spotify, if you would share with me some of the things that you have learned this year and have grown from. And I think it's really important to take the time to acknowledge and give proper credence to the things that have challenged you and made you grow, the accomplishments that you've made, and to just be mindful and intentional about thinking about those things and really almost like putting them in your proverbial backpack and saying like, hell yeah, I did this thing this year, or I overcame this thing, or I finally learned how to do this stupid thing that I have to learn how to do as an adult. I feel like that's so many of the things on my list today. <laughs> it's like, oh, I finally figured out this stupid thing. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, so that's that's the hope today. So I'm going to start with those sort of reflections, and then we can close out with some like yearly favorites, book of the year, show of the year, music favorites. Let's start with my yearly reflections. So I've learned a lot of lessons this year. This was a big year for me as a homeowner and someone who must be responsible for the maintenance of a house, which is a task. 
is a learning curve. It's a pretty steep learning curve because there's no landlord to call and say, hey, I'd like to put in a maintenance request. It's like, oh, okay, I need to figure out who can fix this problem or maybe I have to learn how to fix this problem. And so that's been a big part of this year. Okay, I've written a list. Here we go. Number one, I learned how to properly store things in a garage so that they don't get destroyed by mouse waste. (laughs) I live in a place where I get mice in my garage and we do everything we can to prevent that, but it isn't inevitable in some capacities. And I learned a hard, hard lesson uh, my first year living here where I stored things in our garage in cardboard boxes. (laughs) And everyone, I'm sure, who lives in homes that have garages in places where there are mice is laughing at me. So yes, I've stored plenty of things out in our garage in cardboard boxes that have then been soiled by mouse shit and urine. So just making sure that we start this episode off um, with that. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Why did I start with that? I don't know. It's the thing that popped up in my brain. Um, But yeah, to be even more personal with this, uh, just to just to open these doors up, I I had a big, this was around the same time that I sort of like realized that this was a big problem that I'm like, um, damn it, all of my boxes are destroyed and disgusting and all the contents inside are gross and contaminated. And this was a um, also around the time where I was getting ready to film. This was like right early, early in the year and, and end of last year, I suppose. But like this year is the year that I accomplished this task and figured out how to do it and like figured out how to package things properly. But it was about the time that I was getting ready to shoot the Good Lawyer pilot, which, if you don't know, was a pilot that I shot that was a backdoor pilot of a spinoff of The Good Doctor. Anyway, it was about my character um, in that episode has OCD, which I also have OCD, though it's it's really, um, just for context, is something that it has been pretty latent um, and was very intense in my youth, but is sort of come and go in in very minor waves nowadays and I had a big sort of um, I guess the only words I could use really is just a flare-up I had a big flare-up probably because I was focusing on this character and getting back into the rhythm of of having intense obsessions and compulsions again um which was really interesting like I could talk about that for a long time but it was really interesting yeah like as an actor to kind of go back to like try and embody the state of going back to a place that I hadn't been in in a long time and that was a really scary place for me to to live in not that it was scary like it was in real life it was a scary place for me to live I think I I found a way to access that safely to do that job but anyway all this to say so I was in that mindset and I like had heard a horror story about this disease that mice carry I'm not going to go into that you don't need to have this in your brain but I like went on a I I, I had a a big um, OCD flare-up over (laughs) this mice why am I talking about excrement (laughs) oh (laughs) sorry 
I'm sorry. I don't know where the lines are yet. <laughs> you know, is this a, I don't know. Is this gross? I'm sure it is. But anyway, I had a big OCD flare up about it. <laughs> I worked my way through it. It's not funny. I'm laughing because I'm just laughing at this whole situation on myself, but it's, it wasn't funny. It was horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I have since gotten over the other side. I've learned how to properly store things in a way that um, preserves them and keeps them safe from the mice. And that was a big win <laughs> for me this year. So that's <laughs> number one. Not, it's just, I didn't put these in any order. It's not like I think that's the best one, but it's just, it's one. Moving on. <laughs> I learned how to paint. I talked about this in my getting out of a funk episode that I, I painted the entirety of the interior of our house this year. And I sure did. I had never painted, well, I had painted a little as a child in, um, you know, like random paint projects in our you know, family homes when I was a kid helping my dad out and stuff, but otherwise had really not done much painting at all. But yeah, I learned how to paint properly. And I need to tell you that I painted our entire house without using any painter's tape. And it looks great. I must say it is objective. It looks great. It's not to say it's perfect. It's by no means perfect, but it looks really great. And I'm going to actually give you this rec in case any of you are looking to do any home projects, really. But this is the guy that I learned how to paint from. Okay, on YouTube, it is the channel Home Renovision Dio... Dio... (laughs) Thank you, Kennedy. So helpful. Home Renovision DIY. Renovision, one word, R-E-N-O-V-I-S-I-O-N. And it's this guy named Jeff. I think his name's Jeff. And he has some great videos on how to paint. He teaches you to paint without painter's tape, like how to cut the line by the baseboards and stuff. And like by, thankfully, we were painting our entire house the same color as our ceiling because I didn't want to have to mess with that as my first time painting. But yeah, anyway, he teaches you like all of these great techniques. He's a professional painter and he also does has a, a lot of other amazing videos on home renovation, reno, home renovation projects. So I highly recommend that talent that, oh my God, I can't not talk today. I'm like, a, I'm like in the middle of that. I have so much to do for Christmas time moment. And I'm like recording this ahead of time so that this can go out and be done so that I don't have to do this while I have family here and stuff. And I'm just like in this chaotic room, I like need to calm down and figure out how to speak again. But yeah, that YouTube channel has a ton of great videos if you're ever doing any of your own DIY home renovation stuff. And it was really inspiring. Like I loved this sort of era. And I mean, this is sort of a a theme of this year because I had a lot of time off of work due to the Hollywood strikes. So I was just kind of at home and we just channeled a lot of our energy into figuring out how to be good homeowners and how to care for our home and like figure out how to do stuff ourselves. Um, and I mean, yeah, it was so inspiring. And this guy, Jeff on this YouTube channel is really, I don't know. He just like really inspired me to feel like I could do it. And I really believed I could do it and I did it and it was awesome. And it was not, I mean, it was a lot of work, but I wouldn't say it was hard Like it wasn't, I felt totally capable. And that's just been a really fun discovery this year is just that I'm capable of doing things myself and learning new skills and 
obviously I had the immense privilege of not having a job, which, I mean, I, I would have liked to be working, but I wasn't. But anyway, I obviously, I had a lot of free time in order to be able to learn these skills. So I acknowledge that not everybody's in that position, but it was really awesome and so empowering to be like, I can do this myself and I can learn things and I can be self-sufficient. And obviously there are certain things that I'm always going to call in a professional for, but it was really nice to feel like I am capable of figuring out how to do these things and doing them well. So that was a huge win of the year. I also feel like I really figured out or at least got better at long distance friendships. So many of my friendships are long distance. A lot of my closest friends live in New York and I live on the West Coast. So it's hard and I would never in a million years consider giving up those friendships, but it's been difficult for me to like, and I'm sure for them too, like just to figure out how do I maintain and nurture this friendship when we're just, when we like see each other maybe once a year if we're lucky, usually every other year so far. And I'm someone who pretty much wants to distance myself from my phone as much as I can. So like I don't, communicating over the phone and texting and I just don't enjoy it very much, but I do when I invest in it, but it just, I think my initial reaction to it is like, oh, I don't want to spend time sitting on my phone composing a message. I just want to live my life and be present and be with who I'm with in real life and etc. And I think I got stuck in that mindset for a long time that like the best thing for me to do is just be present in my life. And when we're together, me and my friends, that is, when we're together, we'll be together. And when we're not, we're not. And I think there's stuff about that that's healthy. And I think that that's always going to kind of be the truth. But I got to go on this trip to New York, as I discussed in my, um, whatever I call that episode, Kennedy and the Big Terrible Bad horrible travel day. It's the Alexander book, whatever. I don't remember the order of those words. But anyway, I went on that trip, which the the actual trip, despite the travel being challenging, um, the actual trip was amazing. And I just got to spend all that time with some of my dearest friends and reconnect with them and like be with them in the same space again. And it just, I think that helped reset me so that when I came back, I was like, okay, here's how I need to be more engaged with these people and just really committing to be better at responding to texts, better at setting up times to catch up over FaceTime. And then also this like added new component that I feel like has been a real game changer for me and just feeling like I'm investing in these friendships in the way that I can right now in a way that feels, because sometimes there's, Obviously, it's amazing to catch up with your friends, but there's sometimes this component to when you're so far apart and your lives are so different and there's like so much to catch up on all the time that there's almost nothing to catch up on. Having these FaceTime calls or these text conversations are just sort of, they feel a little surface. It's kind of hard to capture that same feeling of I love you and we're friends and we're just enjoying each other. It just feels like almost this like, it can at least can feel like a reporting back and forth of life in a way that kind of is absent of the depth that you get when you're with people in real life. You should see what I'm doing with my hands right now. I'm the biggest hand talker. I'm like summoning a cauldron in front of me right now with my hands. I'm like 
big hand movements. Okay, so I really wanted to figure out how do I capture a similar quality or like honor these friends while we're apart without necessarily having, because friendship to me isn't necessarily knowing everything about the other person, like about their lives or exactly what's going on, but just sharing in in your soul experience together. I don't know, just like occupying the world and loving each other fiercely in it and enjoying circumstances in life with them and alongside them and having fun and and, you know, Definitely being there also to listen to things about their lives, obviously, yes, but it's not, you know, I don't, I don't think that's like the core of it is me knowing all the little details of like the life report, as opposed to just feeling that sort of kindred spirit and deep love and care. And so I like had this idea in my head about how do I invest more in these friendships in a way that feels better than this we should catch up, we need to catch up, we catch up, we talk about the things that are the facts of the life. And those things are important too. I'm not trying to say that, but I realized, and I mentioned this in my getting out of the funk episode too, that like I could just, that I could create something or I could do something that just brings them delight. And how do I, how do I invest in our friendship in a way that just feels light and delightful, but full of love? And so I started doing these little mini watercolor, like they're like, cards like small card stock not super small I don't know like the size of a a card <laughs> like a you know <laughs> why do I give one to say Thanksgiving card a thank a thank you a thank you card is so that is also in its own way a Thanksgiving perhaps not the holiday but the you know denotation of the word okay all right, no need to get defensive, Kennedy. Okay. But yeah, I started just making these little watercolor doodles like about our time together or just stuff that's just fun and cute and nice and writing a little note in the back and mailing it. It's been so nice and so fun. And I feel like it was so pleasant and, and joyful for me to do. I really enjoyed making it. I enjoyed thinking of them and just kind of, you know, having fun, doing something with my hands, making something creative. So it was a pleasant time for me. And then it's been so nice to like see their responses and receiving them, that they like feel cared for and loved and that it's just special and a fun little something. And it's just like that to me goes, that like brings our friendship deeper for me so far than reporting this like reporting thing, which I feel like I just keep saying the same thing over and over again, but I hope, I think you get what I mean. That sometimes it can just feel like we're exchanging facts about life, which are important, but then it doesn't, feels like it keeps things relevant and up to date, which is great, but it doesn't feel like it deep, it deepens our friendship in, in the same way that obviously being together does. But if we can't be together, what can deepen our friendship a little bit in the interim? And I feel like that these little watercolor cards are one of those things. And it doesn't have to be that. I kind of want to do other things like make make other <laughs> crafts and <laughs> mail them. <laughs> or, you know, just other ways of showing up for people. I feel like that was a big takeaway of this year. It's like I finally feel like I got a little bit, I've, I've made a little progress in how to navigate these long distance friendships. On that note, I have also come a really long way in establishing a more local community to me and like friendships and I just have these wonderful friendships I'm so grateful for but they're all so far away and I've really needed to invest in friendships with people who are near by me who I can see in real life and spend real time with because nothing 
can really beat that. I mean, a deep, wonderful friendship, like a sibling bond, soul bond with another friend is amazing and irreplaceable, even if they're thousands of miles away. But it's really important to have people in real life that you hang out with. <laughs> and that's been a huge focus of this year. And I feel like we've done a really awesome job. Definitely worth the focus on that this year because that was definitely lacking. And I'm very proud of myself for making strides in that arena. Oh, this one's a little deep. I don't want to go too deep on this, but I learned a, a big lesson uh, about life and its tumultuousness. And I'm going to use the term finding enoughness in the little things that are within my control and in the more mundane things in life. Basically, I've, I've been very much out of the driver's seat this year and just waiting for a lot of things to come to a conclusion. And it's a really weird position to be in mentally. And I was fortunate enough to be okay in all the other areas, but mentally and emotionally, it was challenging to just be sort of, and for so many people this year with waiting for the Hollywood strikes to resolve. But yeah, it was a very, um, another reminder that, you know, I think the first time I got this reminder that we all did really was during the pandemic, that life is fragile and things are unexpected and everything can turn on its head really quickly. That was reinforced this year. And I just, my life's been so high octane in the last couple of years that I'm not used to life being quiet and uneventful. And it's interesting because, and I, I, I've, there's been plenty of me that has craved that. And craved more quiet, more habit, more routine, more coziness, more stability. And I certainly got that this year's stability. <laughs> I don't know. It all felt extremely unstable. But I, I came to, I, I was kind of pushed to the edge in terms of how do I, my, my life and my source of happiness has been really, and my source of, of purpose has been really wrapped up in my job and in my work. And when that's taken away and there's nothing I can do, what am I left with? And what is my life? Because this career is tumultuous and slippery, as is all of life. But it, it made me realize I got to figure out what is important to me outside of this. When this goes away, inevitably, which it does, for who knows how many different reasons. What do I have left? And and how how do I make that enough for me? And I think I like followed this line of thinking and really pulled on that thread of what if I, you know, I'm someone who's a big dreamer. I want to be working. I have all these dreams and all these things I want to do. And, and so I'm thinking about that all the time. And, and it very much feels like a, like, oh, when I get to do that, it's going to be so fun. I'm going to be so happy. I'm going to feel so fulfilled. And for right now, I'm just waiting for that to happen. And then when you're stuck in that waiting for that to happen for almost an entire year or longer, or even in short bursts, I don't want to spend that time I'm not working or doing things that are 
you know, that I could file under the category of exciting or important or whatever. I don't want to waste the rest of that time that I'm just living my more normal life waiting. Like, what about that time? What about this time? What if I like pull on the thread? I was saying this earlier, I got so off topic, but I was I was trying to come around to say, I kind of pulled on this this mental thread of what if I just decide that this is enough? That these quiet moments, me just getting to wake up and spend my life with someone that I love and have coffee in the morning and go on a walk with my dog, that that's all more than enough. And it is. It is more than enough. I'm so fortunate just to have those things I listed and, you, and and I think it just sort of smacked me across the face. It's like, what are you waiting for? Why, why, what are you waiting to, like, why, why can't you find not even just contentment, but like true joy in what you have and in these small moments? And God, how lucky am I to have peace in my life? And that despite the chaos of the world and and the challenge that it presented this year. My God, I'm so lucky. And I think I've always been afraid to feel like this is enough because I'm a dreamer and a go-getter. And I think a lot of us who have big dreams and feel that like very American drive of do more, get more, be more. I think there's a fear that if you if you pull the rug Like so much of a motivating factor of pursuing those things is that where you are right now is not enough. Like that's sort of, you must believe that in order to push, 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 push for more, 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 more. Or at least that's what I believed. And I was kind of afraid to look at my life and say, this is plenty. I am satisfied. And I kind of just played around with like, what if I believed full-heartedly that this is enough. And it really healed a lot of my internal feeling like, oh no, what am I going to do? I can't make steps forward. I can't climb this ladder. I can't, you know, make a big splash because there's nothing I can do. And I'm just sitting here like vibrating, waiting to be let go so I can go do the thing I want to do. And it, it doesn't take away from the fact that that's always going to be hard. It's always hard to be held back from doing something that you love, even if it's for a good cause. It's a hard thing to wrestle with. It's a lot of energy that, that doesn't know where it's supposed to go. And I'm definitely someone who thrives in my job. That's the place I feel the most myself. It's what I'm meant to do. It's what I feel I'm here for. But I think it's so important to step back and like be brave enough almost To be perfectly satisfied that if this is it, if that's the end of of that road, if what has already happened is the end of that road, and this is what I'm left with, oh my god, how amazing is that? And I just sort of kind of started using that as a mantra of like contentment and this, or or even more so than that, this joy. And it's, I don't know, for, for whatever reason, like obviously people always talk about gratitude and focusing on gratitude, and I think that's hugely important. And this is a a a strain of that, I guess. But I don't know, this framing kind of helped me a little bit more. That like I just started telling myself and rewriting my thought process and and just sort of 
reminding myself that this is enough. If this is it, oh my God, what great fortune. And oh, what a delight it is to have coffee in the morning and what a delight it is to be able to go to sleep at night in a, in a warm bed and have people and creatures around that I love. Creatures being my pets. I don't know why I said creatures, but you know what I mean? So that was a big, I think, mental breakthrough. I just learned to separate my happiness with life from my job and that I can have a full, fulfilling, happy life that has nothing to do with my work and that my work, obviously, besides the fact that I do need to do it in order to pay the bills and yada yada, that it is the the exciting parts and the, the big accomplishments, those are cherries on top. I just had to take my claws out of that. You know what I mean? I just couldn't. I just wanted to control it all so bad. And it was bringing me so much misery that I couldn't control it. And I think stepping back and just being like, what if I just stop thinking that this, that I need to accomplish more and do all these crazy things in order for me to be happy? What if I'm just happy now? And let me take away this. And, and I still am excited and motivated to go and do great things and try and, you know, really make a splash. And like, that's all that motivation still there. I'm just happier while I'm in the process of making those things happen or waiting for the, the powers that be to open those gates, if that makes sense. So yeah, that was a big one emotionally this year. I learned how to play racquetball this year. <laughs> And I loved it. I love racquetball. It's so fun. I never was a, I didn't do any sports that involved hand-eye coordination. I, well, I guess that's maybe not true. I guess not to the extent of racket sports. Like I, I never really was hitting. I never like had to figure out like how to connect my brain with like a, a ball flying at me and then me hitting it with an object. So I've never really done that before. And it is hard to learn that skill if you're not used to it. <laughs> so yeah, it was a bit of a learning curve, but Sam and I got super into racquetball this year and it was so much fun. It's great exercise. It was really exciting. And yeah, it's just a really, really fun sport. If you ever have a court and can learn how to play, it was so fun. So this was the year of racquetball. And yeah, it was awesome. Loved it. I'm not going to go too much into detail about this. And don't read into this really. <laughs> I'm just inviting you to read into it now. But I learned in a really beautiful display of community, like what, when people see someone mistreated watching a giant group of people step up and make small actions to support this person who's mistreated was something that I experienced like really on the inside of and that beautiful show of support will live with me forever and it also showed like it I, I learned how to show up for someone in that position better by seeing how people showed up for me and it was just really beautiful. Sorry to be vague, but people really care about other people. And like, that's so awesome. I want to cry. <laughs> You're, I am, I'm a very emotional person, as I'm sure you can tell uh, by listening to any of these episodes. I'm like always crying. I just, people really move me. And it's just so beautiful. 
people really care and will show up and find ways to support you, even when it's hard to do so, like, very publicly. So, again, don't read, don't read into it, but I'm really sorry about that one. Maybe I'll just cut it out. I don't know. Maybe I'll leave it. Sorry if this drove you nuts. Okay, last reflection before we get into our, like, book of the year, game of the year, etc. I really learned the value in doing something inconvenient for the sake of memories. Like, I feel like when I'm presented with opportunities to, like, go somewhere or, like, go attend some event or whatever, or not, like, even in a high-key sort of way, but, like, stuff that you really don't have to go to, stuff that, like, there's no tangible gain for going and doing, but would just be fun. I really learned the value in doing those things, even when it's inconvenient and it would be so much easier not to, because those are the choices and those are the moments that lead to memories. Good, wonderful, fun memories that you look back on and you're so glad you did. And that's something that I'm not, I've never been very good at being spontaneous or doing things for the sake of them being fun. I've gotten way better at this in the last couple of years, But my instinct is to be planned and prepared and, you know, execute things when it's convenient to do them, even if it's just for the sake of fun, but but something that's been planned and that works out perfectly and accomplishes multiple things at once and, you know, whatever is efficient and yada yada, whatever. There was just a couple things I chose to do this year that has just given me so many memories I really treasure and like has given so much back to me. And I just sort of realized finally that it's the inconvenient times you choose to do something and make it happen anyway that you really remember and are really special memories. At least for me thus far. Like a trip that I plan for weeks and weeks and then go and do and and execute to a T how I intended to do it is great. And there's a lot of value in that. But but I kind of don't remember it as well like it doesn't stick out in my memory as prominently or feel as special as like oh I'm gonna do this last minute thing even though I kind of don't want to because of x y and z reason but I can pull it off and may as well and even when that's my attitude even if it's just like well I guess and just push through the little discomfort of the inconvenience and then show up and have the experience. Like I have so many memories that I now will really treasure because of doing that. I've always sort of been chasing this desire to make more memories and have more stories and stuff, you know, just more populate my memories really, especially as, you know, I get older and, but yeah, just following your instincts in a moment and like not, not logicking your way out of what your gut responses, which is like, hell yeah, I'm going to do that. I think that was a big one for me this year too. Okay. Oh God, that was a lot, a lot to go through. Those are my yearly reflections and kind of my like moments of growth and things I'm really proud of myself for learning. And, you know, when I look back on this year, those are the things that kind of, well, some of, there's some stuff obviously I didn't include, but um, those are the things that that really stand out to me and in terms of moments of growth and ways that I've really like emerged and been challenged this year. Some of them are really big and like solving some issues and, you know, just cracking the code on a few things where I felt a little under satisfied in. I think it's easy 
it's easy for me to look back on this year and feel like I didn't do anything because not a lot happened. But when I look a little closer, actually so much happened. So much personal growth happened this year for me and so much was accomplished. And I just hate that feeling of anything being a wash or like not not counting or being like, oh, well, this was an L overall. It's not. There's always something. There's always something that's happening, bubbling up inside you that's churning and, and that you're learning and you're growing from. Uh, I just think it's so important to invest in the reflection of that. So yeah, I can't wait to, to hear your guys' reflections and stuff in the, in the response below if there's anything you know that really stands out to you this year. Okay, on to the fun part. I wanted to give you my favorite favorite book of the year, favorite movie of the year, favorite show of the year, favorite music of the year, favorite video game of the year, okay? My favorite book of the year was Four Treasures of the Sky by Jenny Tinghui Zhang. It is a beautiful novel of historical fiction that explores a young Chinese girl's journey being trafficked and brought to America and growing up under the rising tensions that led up to the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. So it's heavy. It's very heavy. It's intense and a trigger warning. Some topics of trafficking and violence, particularly against an Asian community, that is hard stomach and a reality of our history in America. It is so beautifully written. It's emotionally challenging and important, in my opinion. At the same time that it just sounds so heavy and (laughs) tragic, and it is, and there's no getting out from under that. It's a very heartbreaking story, but it's done in such a fantastical way in some moments. It's an incredible piece of writing. It's The prose is beautiful. It's really fresh and exciting. The main character learns a lot about calligraphy and Chinese characters, and then the author sort of brings that in into the character's experience in a way that really breaks down calligraphy and Chinese characters into these meanings that that have a lot of double meanings within the story in a way that just like unlocked something linguistically in my brain. That was super interesting. I loved that part of it. There's also a lot of Chinese folklore weaved in, in that sort of the elements of the book that are quite fantastical. It's an incredible book. I highly recommend it. I think that obviously, yes, it's it's heavy, but in a way, it's a, still very welcoming to read. Obviously, if you're in a place where you can read that, I know there are plenty of people who that would um, maybe not be a safe topic to spend your time with or something you would desire. It's a very intelligently done book, so highly recommend. I also have to give, gotta give a shout out to the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Moss. This was the year in which I've read the final couple of books. I'm still not done. I'm still on the last book, <laughs> which is why I can't fully give this my um, my full review. The last book is so long, you guys. 
<laughs> and there's so many people to keep up with and it's all over the place. Not in a bad way. It's not all over the place in that like it's sloppy. It's just there's so many characters and so many storylines and so much to wrap up that it's just feeling a little scattered. It's hard for me to get fully hooked in and, and like power through and finish it. But it's a, it's a series I've absolutely loved. It's a fantasy series and it's fantastic. I've enjoyed it so much and I love these characters and I'm excited to finish it. But yes, I have invested a shit ton of time in that series because it's... How many books is it? It feels like... Uh, eight, but I, maybe it's only six. Twelve? Oh. Hi, Otis. There are eight. Eight books. And I'm on, yeah, it, yeah, it, it feels like it. <laughs> They're so long. But yeah, obviously a lot of fun, a great series. A lot of people love them for good reason. It's a lot of fun. Great romance, great action, great plot, super interesting, super good lore. It's been great. As for music favorites of the year, obviously, I t in my last episode in, in Ask Me Anything, uh, I talked about my Spotify wrapped, <laughs> which uh, had my top song of the year and top artists of the year, which were mostly, you know, not music I listened to uh, in any other context but Dungeons and Dragons. But alas, this year, uh, I mostly, this like last half of the year, well, not even last half, last quarter really, but I've done the most music listening recently this year. I got a, an old record player. Gosh, what do you even call it really? Like a full like cabinet. Gosh, what do we, what do you call it? It's like a, yeah, like a record player cabinet thing. It's like a large piece of furniture that, you know, has a record player inside of it and big, beautiful speakers and stuff. But it's from, pretty sure it's the late 60s, might be early 70s, but I'm pretty sure it's in this from the 60s. And it's so gorgeous. I got it for my birthday. Sam got that for me for my birthday. And it was such an incredibly generous, lovely gift. I've wanted this exact, oh, it's like a kind of like a credenza, <laughs> but there's a record player in it. Console. That's the word I've been looking for. Like a record player console. I've been wanting something like this from that time period for years and years and years. I've dreamed of having something like this in my house. I love listening to records and it was such a wonderful gift. And so because of that, I've been listening to a lot of records lately. And yeah, it's been so fun. We both really love old house music. So we've been enjoying a lot of like fun, like finding old DJs records that have a bunch of cool versions of different songs on them. And, and so yeah, it's been really fun listening to house music like that. And then I was also reintroduced to my love of the Supremes. I love the Supremes. I have a great Motown record that I got back in college that I love listening to. So yeah, that's been kind of my music favorite for the year has been listening to records and being reintroduced to that kind of stuff and like great funky indie disco records. It's just been a really fun thing for us to like go out and search thrift stores for cool records and come home and listen to them. It's just been a really fun way to experience music. Okay, as for my favorite show of the year, I don't watch a lot of fictional television. Um, which I think surprises a lot of people because it's my job, but that's exactly why I don't watch it. It's because, I don't know, I can't watch, and I should watch more and I want to watch more, and when I do get invested, it's awesome. So 
I really just need to start watching more. But there's just a, uh, I watch it and I just can't help but evaluate the behind the scenes part of things. Like I'm just looking at it from, I know how the sausage is made, so it's hard to watch television in the same way. So I'm kind of a big reality TV junkie. And in a very specific category though, not a Real Housewives kind of reality junkie. Not no hate to Real Housewives. I like competitions and I like dating. (laughs) I like seeing people fall in love and I like competitions. So I'm talking like, and especially old school Survivor, old school Big Brother, and then, you know, The Bachelor franchise, Love Island, etc. I do, I'm also a big fan of Below Deck. That's my Bravo show of choice. But it's because, obviously, it's not a competition. But it's, they're like doing their actual jobs during it, which I really like. So it's not all manufactured drama. Not to say that there's not manufactured drama in there. I'm sure there is. But it's more realistic. And I love all these reality competition shows because... They like are so interesting to watch people psychologically evaluate the situation and how to proceed is really interesting. So that being said, my top two reality shows of the year were Love Island Games, which was fucking fantastic, especially if you're a Love Island fan, especially if you're a Love Island fan, obviously, probably not. If you're not a Love Island fan, you probably won't like it. And two was Squid Game the Challenge. Let's talk Love Island games. It was, if you're not familiar, it's on Peacock. It was an all-star group of international Love Island contestants. So we have contestants from Love Island UK. We've got past contestants from Love Island US. We've got Sweden, Germany, Australia, of course, represent... I don't know. I'm not from there. I don't know why I said that. Um, But there's obviously Love Island Australia, and it's very good, so I didn't want to leave it out, and that's why I said that weird thing. (laughs) So basically, there's contestants from all over the world, and they're there to compete. There is always a cash prize at the end of Love Island, but, like, nobody really, nobody really is there for that. Not that it wouldn't be nice, obviously, but, like, they're there for, you know, hopefully finding love and definitely finding Instagram followers. So the money component in Love Island Games is ramped way up. And it's like about partnering, coupling up, like for love, but also for challenges. They like have to do these competitions and like to win safety or win power. And if you do badly at the challenges, you're usually vulnerable to go home. And so you're also coupling up based on who's gonna win the challenges with you. And this shit was intense, this was some of the most heart-racing <laughs> TV I have watched in so long. Granted, I know every single contestant because I've watched every single Love Island ever. Not actually, not all of them. I didn't. I haven't watched the non-English ones. It was so juicy, so good. They're all friends in real life, and so they have to backstab each other when they get these different powers. And watching them navigate that, and like people get mad hurt people get so so hurt and it is oh my god it's intense man it's extremely intense i just found it delightful and hilarious and heartbreaking and oh my god on the edge of my seat biting my fingernails off like so good so good and then squid game the challenge 
which again, if you're not familiar, it's a Netflix show. And it is basically the reality competition version of the fictional show Squid Game, which everyone, you know, watched and loved, myself included. I thought it was fantastic. I loved it. It reminds me of when we were all on set and watching it at the same time, but we were all at different places and like getting actually seriously mad at each other (laughs) for spoiling certain things. That was probably the most tense time on the Nancy Drew set in all four years. (laughs) But I remember hearing about this reality version of Squid Game and being like, that is so stupid. They're not actually dying, obviously, thankfully. But like, that's what makes Squid Game so like compelling and, ah, you know? But this show was amazing. First of all, there are 456 contestants as there are in in the fictional show and they are competing for $4.56 million, which is a, the most exciting cash prize a show has, like a reality competition show has like ever put on the table if you ask me, for my knowledge. And so it's just crazy. And they play a lot of the same games that they do in the show, but there's some other games as well. And it's so intense and it's so fragile and your your life in the game is so fragile. And the like mental intensity, especially as the competition goes on, as you get closer and closer to that prize, which is, I mean, a jaw-dropping, life-changing amount of money, I mean, there's so many reality shows these days that are like have like $100,000 as their cash prize. And in this economy, with this inflation, and like just how much you're going to get taxed for that. So you're not actually taking, you're not pocketing $100,000. You're pocketing like, I don't know, totally rough estimate at 75, (laughs) which is obviously amazing and definitely a life-changing amount of money, but it goes a lot faster. It's not like an equivalent value of what the person has accomplished in order to get that, beat all the odds in order to get to the end and win this show and you, you take home what ends up being maybe, you know, 70 grand and everything's so expensive now. I just feel like, I feel like reality competition show prizes have not kept up with inflation. Okay, so... It was really nice to see a show that had a crazy cash prize like that. And yeah, I just thought it was so well done. I thought the edit was really interesting. I'm like very into the edit and like, you know, trying to read the edit of who's going to win. And that was really interesting how they handled that. And I just found it extremely compelling. I thought it was so intense and so fun to watch. And I thought it was great. It was fun. It was short. It was intense. It was awesome. Great, great cast. They had amazing casting. I, they had some really interesting, very uh, diverse groups of people, like very different backgrounds. Just, yeah, super, super interesting. So yeah, those were my shows of the year. Those were my faves. And those have both been in the last couple months. It was a little dry. I also have to give a shout out to Golden Bachelor, which I thought was the best addition to the Bachelor franchise, even though I, I could never have guessed the ending. I tell you what, though I did know when we went into the finale, I knew. I knew who was getting that final rose. I won't spoil for anybody, but I do have to give a shout out to Golden Bachelor because that was a a wild ride. But also just for bringing more exposure to older people in media, that was so refreshing and so awesome. I like realized watching that show, I'm like, I have never seen a group of 60 plus women experiencing their lives. Like I've never, I mean, obviously this was in 
in a really unique circumstance. So experiencing their lives, quote unquote, is maybe not accurate, but just being alive and having fun together. Like it was such important exposure. And I think positive aging exposure is super important. It's literally scientifically backed that that's good for your own longevity is having positive thoughts and a positive view and good role models when it comes to aging. So like, there's also that, which was fucking awesome. So hell yeah, Golden Bachelor. I would say in terms of fictional shows of the year, I did watch a few that I liked. I watched The Bear this year, early this year, and I thought it was awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. Great performances, a lot of fun. I also love chefs. I love kitchens and restaurants. And so that was also kind of perfect for And I wanted to give a shout out to Heartstopper on Netflix, which is so lovely. They followed up with such a lovely second season. It's such a lovely show that tells such positive stories. Not that there's no problems or anything that goes wrong or any serious topics, because there definitely are. But it just puts this wonderful group of friends who are all going through challenging experiences with their identities and love and watching them navigate it and come out on top is so beautiful and lovely. And it's just a really special, happy, good show. And it just makes my heart feel warm and just makes me happy. So shout out to that. Movie of the year was really tough for me. I don't, I also don't watch a lot of movies. I've got to be honest with you. I don't watch a lot of movies. However, I'm going to give it to Barbie, which is so, in a way, it feels kind of lame because everybody saw it. But in a way, that's why it's so special, is for me, what that moment was, was going back to the movie theater for something, for an event, for what felt like an event, and laughing out loud many times, and being moved to tears, and experiencing American movie making in a way that it's just been a really long time since I have felt that and had that sort of experience. It just felt like a real revival of the family movie and it was just a smash hit. They absolutely knocked it out of the park. I enjoyed it so thoroughly and it was just wonderful to know that that existed and that, that you know, kind of felt like movies were back and I just loved it. It was so much fun. And it's really inspired me. I don't know. It's just like brought up this little moment of kind of girly culture in a way that's been so pleasant and embraced. At least it's kind of felt that way. And it's just really ignited a lot in me. That's like, oh my God, I actually love being a girl. (laughs) Um, And it was so fun. So that's my movie of the year for all of those reasons. I am also a video gamer, as many of you know. Though I have spent countless hours in the past weeks playing Medieval Dynasty. (laughs) I have to give my game of the year to Baldur's Gate 3, which is absolutely fantastic. And I am saying this still having not completed this game. So I'm getting ahead of myself perhaps. And I do need to just get back into the rhythm and complete it. But I absolutely love it. It's so incredibly well done. It is by far the best representation of Dungeons and Dragons in a digitized format, like in a video game. It's stunning. The visuals are stunning. The story's super interesting. The customization is great. The UI is fantastic. The user interface. It's just a great experience. It's so fun. It really captures the essence of a romping, party-driven fantasy adventure. I think it's just so well done and was really worth the wait. It was a long wait 
on that game <laughs> for anybody who knows. And it was fantastic. So that's my rec. That's my top rec. I loved it. Also had another great Stardew Valley playthrough this year, which I do pretty frequently because it's a game that makes me really happy. It was exciting to explore some of the newly released content for that game. And yeah, just nice to go back to Stardew Valley and build my farm and have a lovely time. <laughs> Gosh, I I'm, I know this episode's going to be shorter than this because I'm going to probably chop some stuff out and I always take out like spaces and stuff, but I've been recording for an hour and a half. So I think that's it for me. I hope you had a wonderful holiday season and I hope you have the loveliest entry into the new year 2024 here we come and thanks for hanging out okay mama I'm almost done hold out she's playing with wrapping paper I hope you have a wonderful new year thank you for joining me on this journey for the first little little chunk of time the end of this year. I'm so grateful for you. Oh my God, mama. Okay. Mama will not have any of this. She would like attention, please. So I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you for being here. I hope you had a wonderful year and I hope you take some time to reflect. Okay. Mama for real. I hope you take some time to reflect on your growth and your accomplishments and move into the new year, knowing that you are stronger and more resilient than you ever have been. And yeah, thanks for listening and being a part of my life this year and you all have shown so much support and love throughout a time that I really needed it and I'm just so grateful for you and how you helped to keep me afloat this year. I will talk to you all in the new year. I love you very, very much. Goodbye.